three, two, one. That's right. You're listening to the It's My Time podcast, a recording of the experiences, past and present of everyday people. Yes, indeed. And now, here's your host, the one, the only, Asher Chua. Hey, Francie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you, Ashley, for having me, man. I'm I'm honored. I'm honored to be part of this podcast. I'm honored. And so just to introduce you to the audience real quick, here's a question for you. Who do you say you are? Very, very good question, man. You know what's the funny thing about this question? I ask these questions, too, and it's so heavy. And people are like, I don't think I know who I am. <laughs> but um who uh who I am um so I'll just I'll start with the basics you know um Haitian American uh parents were born in Haiti um you know uh born and raised in Miami Florida real young kid was into like anime and movies real young and writing and stories so I later on developed it into a talent I used to draw too um I just this is very just talented kid, but it was because I was like reserved in my own world and everything like that. So um, I I would like to say that I'm talented, uh, hardworking, you know, uh, multi-hyphenate actor, writer, director, producer, editor, cinematographer, all of the errs. Um, and uh, internally, I'm a very, I want to say I'm a very, uh, I, I'm very energy sensitive um i am very i love i love to be a respectful person and give respect and receive respect because i feel like it creates like this sort of like its own sort of utopian society that's i guess not visible um yeah internally i'm just a very caring person i love people i love to smile i love to laugh uh i love when people smile and laugh and not like about each other but rather with each other and yeah man um sometimes i'm very socially awkward like almost all the time and i like put on a smile because um i feel like it's easier and um it just kind of like breaks away like the awkwardness because i feel like a lot of people just don't know how to handle that awkwardness i know how to handle awkwardness because i've just been around this so much <laughs> so i'm like okay I like I'm, this is fine with me but i think um people uh it creates like a disdain for them and i'm i you know i and i can then i can feel their energy uh but beyond that um this is a long intro so sorry guys but <laughs> i'm you know young black man in america just you know trying to survive live and be a good role model, you know. Yeah, just be a good role model, good role model to anybody. Um, I'm not, I'm not perfect by no means, but I, I do want to be a person who leaves a, a very, I don't know, just, just a good legacy. And that, that's it. That's all I'm gonna say. I've been talking yeah. to <laughs> myself. It's all good. I, I feel like I might have put you on the spot there a little bit, but yeah. Tell me, uh, how'd you get into like the film film industry? Like what what brought you in that direction? So what I want to be is very honest, real with you guys and and just transparent. Um, so, you know, growing up in Miami, well, coming up in Miami, um, 
you know, I, I, I was into film. I, I wanted to do it so bad and I didn't really know where to start. I, I remember just the first time I got a computer, I was like, you know, you know, this is way back in the days, like Google was just happening, you know? So, um, I used to like Google or research for like places to start acting or acting was like the first thing I was trying to get into because, you know, acting is like, I guess it seems more reachable at first because no one's like, oh, yeah, you can be a filmmaker back then. So and I didn't know anything about film school, nothing. So I was, I was just like, oh, let me just. And so there, there weren't anything. There was nothing going on. There was no films. There was like I, I don't remember there being any directors, films or anything like any knowledge of that in Miami. And so I was I was like, I just need to do this on my own. and. A friend of the family, he was going to college for film. I didn't. I was like, oh, they they have that. And so he had a camera and he said, hey, you, if, uh, he's like, I know you like this stuff. Do you want to come and help me out one day on, on one of my projects, student projects? I was like, yeah, for sure. I came through. And when he was like during break periods, when he wasn't using the camera, I asked him, hey, can I like play with this a little bit? He's like, yeah, go ahead. Just don't break it. And I was like, all right, cool. And I would grab it and I'll just grab like all my friends, my little brother. And for like the next 30 minutes to an hour, I would just be like, OK, you do that. Boom, boom. And I made my own joint and it, it would, I would make it. And this is back in the day when you had to edit the VCR. I would do it. And I remember showing it to him and he was just like blown away. He was like, yo, this is dope and i was like yeah man i really love this and everything he ended up showing his like professor in his class my project as well uh, with his so it, that was just a cool thing like it almost like created like a confirmation and i was like all right cool like i want to do this and it was like i don't have i was like i don't have anything and i just remember my parents they got like this old like camera way like this you know, you press record it, you have to have tapes. And I just remember they got that. And I was like, yo, let's go. And I I just was on fire, man, from there. I was just like, okay, writing and just doing it, like, I guess, unconventionally. Because I was like, I just want to do this. I don't want to wait. I just want to do this now. And I would do it. I would just grab my friends and film and I would make up stories. Yeah, everything. It, it, I look back at it now. It's like terrible, but like all the stories are trash. But yeah. <laughs> it was something that really helped me when I was young to understand to just do versus waiting for opportunities, for whatever. And I, I just went ahead and did that. And from there on, I just started doing like what, however the industry started moving where, when, you know, DSLR started coming out like digital cameras for anyone who doesn't know Canon, uh, 5d Mark. I remember when 5d Mark one was the thing, like it was the big thing. And, um, I was like, man, I gotta get my hands on that. And I was like, you know, whatever friends had, whatever cameras, you know, cause me, I came up, we, we, we were, we came up poor, you know, we weren't, you know, we didn't have any money like that. So I really didn't have money to go to film school. I really didn't have any of those things. And I would just ask like my friends whenever they had the chance, like, hey, can I borrow this? So what I would do is I would lend my my time to them. So if they ever needed anything like a camera operator, a uh, sound guy, uh, actor, whatever, I was like, yeah, AC, any any of those film positions, 
I came in, I did it for free. So they were like, oh yeah, in exchange, we'll, we'll give you this. And it was always like, oh yeah, I want to borrow this camera for a film of mine. I want to do this for a film of mine. So I didn't have the bread. I just, but I had time to give. I had my energy and my work ethic to give. And I didn't have any money for film school. And I remember I used to be in this, like this rap duo. Uh, we'll talk about that a whole another time. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was in this rap duo and, and my friend, uh, and his name is Joe Terman. I remember just one day being with him and he was like putting together like the music video treatment. And he had like these sticky notes and everything. And he was like, he's like, I want to make this like a movie. And I was like, yo, this is dope. And he goes, uh, yeah, he's like, you can do this too. He's like, yeah. I'm like, yo, but I don't have money for film school. And he goes, he's like, let's go to the library. It's like, oh my gosh. And he like opened up the world in a whole nother way with just that one statement. I went to the library. I got so many books on screenwriting, screenplays, directing, everything. And I just read, read, read and harnessed and harnessed and harnessed. And this is when YouTube was just starting off. And so I would go on YouTube and learn how to cut, edit on like this Adobe. Like late all 2000s? That. Like the 2000s. Like, yeah, like right at that middle mark. And I was just like, I'm going to just go full fledged with this, like, and not wait. I just want to do this for real. And everything was trial and error. I didn't wait. I didn't. I wasn't like, oh, let me do a budget. Let me do it. Like, I was just going. Now, obviously, I do it like the, you know, all right, let's look at the budget. Let's do it. Well, all that came. But I felt like if I didn't go through the process of just doing, I would have never gotten my feet wet, even if I tumbled in certain places, just to understand the, the mechanisms of certain aspects of filming, just film world and what I have to understand and know. And so from there, Scott rocketed. There's some people who started seeing me, noticing me, um, you know, and I started becoming, I started like making like these friendships along the way. Mm -hmm. Started making friendships with filmmakers and, and film schools. And they would always ask me like, hey, you, you went to film school? I'm like, no. Everyone's like, yo, you just go to film school? No, no. Like, How do you know all this stuff? Like, I'm just like, I just did it. Like, I was just so, I just wanted to do it. And so I, I did. And um, yeah, man. Yeah. And so we're here now. I, I have I, I would love to say I, I do have a little bit of a uh, name of, for myself in Miami. Uh, but um, yeah, man. Yeah. But I guess for you, when um, when was it that you got that that itch to go into film or like you, you started out with acting, but like right before your friend showed it to the teacher, was that like around high school or like? When did that spark kind of hit you? Yeah, that was I was around 14, 15 when that happened with my friend. But when I knew I wanted to get in the film was I <laughs> this is funny. Uh I was in third grade. I had never been to the movie theaters before, ever in my life. And I've always wanted to go there. And I just remember um two movies that come out that year. I was in third grade. Two movies came out. It was Big Daddy with Adam Sandler and The Mummy. With Brendan Fraser and Rachel Wise, all these people. I just, I was like, yo, I want to see that so bad. And my friend Johnson, him and his older brother, were going to see the movie. I've, I grew up with Haitian parents. They're very strict. They like have to meet the family. They have to meet the 
person you're going with. Like we had to do a whole thing. Yeah. And um, I wanted to go with them. And so we went, we had gone. I was just like, like I, I just remember going to the theater, the smell of popcorn, the air, just everything. It was so live. And like, you know, I'm cooped up at the crib. You know, for Haitians, it's three places you can only go to. School, church, and home. That's it. Can't go anywhere else. And when they um, allowed me that, it was like so fascinating. And I, I was just, I just remember that moment stuck with me forever. And we went in to see the movie. And I remember the guy, I remember uh, Johnson's older brother was like, hey, do you want something to eat? And I'm like, no, I'm good. I was just happy to be there. I didn't want to, I didn't want to say anything else. But I remember watching the movie and I was biting on my shirt. I don't know why. But I was just like biting on my shirt like the whole time. It's so weird to say now. But I was like biting on my shirt like it was like a candy bar watching the movie, right? And um, it was we were watching The Mummy and I loved it so much. And it kept me like it kept me on edge. That's why I was like, you know, I was just like into it. Yeah. And I remember after the movie, <laughs> my friends, like, I remember Johnson and the brothers saw my shirt. They're like, why is your shirt wet? What's going on? <laughs> I was, they're, they're like, you told you if you were hungry. I was like, I just, I don't know. Like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't, didn't want to intrude. Yeah, I didn't want to intrude, man. And so I loved it. I loved every moment. And we had snuck in the theater to watch Big Daddy's house. Like, we, we had seen the mummy. Mm-hmm. And I remember this is how I was introduced to the movie theater experience. We have bought tickets for the mummy, but we came early and we're like, we got time to kill. Do you want to just watch another movie? And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, but my dad, um, I don't think I have any, enough money. He's like, ain't no money. <laughs> and then so <laughs> he literally grabbed me and, and his brother and we went to see the other screening and I'm like, are we supposed to do this? He was like, shh. It's like, he was like, he looked at his younger brother, Johnson, and he was like, what's with your mans, yo? Like, how come he doesn't know the game? And he's like, he hasn't been in theater before. What do you expect? And so it was, it was, it was so new and it was so dope. And I think that moment when I had come back home from that, it just, it's like, I don't know, man. It, uh, the best way I could describe it is like if someone like, you know, it's like if someone saw their like Patty Mayonnaise for the first time or like a crush for the first time. But it's like this one I just never got over. Right. And it was like, you know, like if you, uh, let's say it's like if you saw your crush yeah. for the first time and they spoke to you and they sat with you and they conver- conversed with you. And they did everything like they gave you a kiss. They said, when are we going to see each other? It's like everything in your wildest dreams just like, boom, dropped on one day. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And you're a kid. Right. Right. (laughs) Eight years old. You're like, what? It's like, I want this to be forever. Hmm. And so that that is what really like that took me over. That took my whole entire world warped my whole world and you know when you're young you're more absorbent Mm. from there it was on i was like this is what i want to do this is what i I want to do i want to give another person this feeling Mm. and yeah and yeah that's dope man it it's so it's so interesting to hear that because it's like 
as I, as I'm speaking with you now, I'm kind of reflecting back and saying like what it is that I'm doing now and having a similar conversation with my older brother thinking like, what is it that got me into wanting to do like engineering and things like that? And for me, it was like maybe later on in high school where you, you get into the classes or you have the experience where you can draw something on a computer or you, you get to like, okay, I don't know how to do this technically. So let me reverse engineer it. Like, let me just make it up and then I can go back and sketch it. And it's like, wait, you tell me, (laughs) you tell me you can do this for real. And then it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, just show your work. It's like, okay. Like maybe you're not the, the one that just gets it right off the bat, but it's like, oh, there's, there's workarounds. There's, there's more than one way, but it's funny to hear you. um, When your friend mentioned, Hey, just go to the library. And you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I will. (laughs) Because like, just with the background that you mentioned, I'm Cameroonian. I came to the States at seven. And like, the thing was like, uh, work church. I mean, for us, it was education and church for the most part, those were like family values. So anytime like after a while, maybe by like middle school or high school, I always dreaded the library because I was like, I'm going to go in here and like read encyclopedias. I'm going to go in here and just like yeah, do everything right? else that's boring. I think at one point I met some kids and they were getting like the Dragon Ball Z pictures. And that was like oh the big thing God. early 2000s yeah, where people were like, they're trying to make them like collectibles. And I was just yeah. like, you know, I, you can just like copy and paste these on a on a page, and they thought it was like the wildest thing to take a picture to paste it, but then you could collage the pictures essentially to where you're saving space, and you get like all the white space out of there. And it was like, oh, that that's something that was enjoyable. That's so cra- that's funny. Yeah, dude, I. <laughs> I remember that era. I'm not going to lie. Yo, that was a very magical time. Yeah. That was a magical time when, like, that were, people, kids were doing that, like, mm-hmm. collectible, like, images, and they would have, like, the folders with, like, the... Yeah. They would put them in the, like, the plastic yeah. slit. And just, yeah, it, it was like, <laughs> it was like, yo, look what I got. And it was, I'm not going to lie, I, I, I honestly missed that time because I... I just remember there being something in the air. Like it was like, uh, it was like almost like everyone was in on one accord. Mm-hmm. Like everyone like knew like what was. Yeah. Like they were aware of like this thing, like this thing happening in the world. Right now, everything feels like, like this is not to, well, I guess I am preparing, but things could almost feel convoluted now because yeah. we we have so much access to everything. Kind of feel like, you know, I'm not trying to be super nerdy here, but it almost kind of feels like you're Jean Grey. Mm. You just hear a lot of voices and there's nothing you could just like hold on to, like one voice. Yeah. It's just like a bunch of voices, just like, you know, and you're trying to listen to like Charles, like, <laughs> Jean, Jean, do you hear me? It's like, oh, no, I can't have all these voices. So I feel like now we're in a time where like things do, uh, things are kind of like you, you just, you have so many thoughts and opinions and voices and like things to get into. I think back then it was so, it was so solely on like this, like, yo, like there's like, 
this, there's a culture around this. Yeah. The there's library. Only, and there's only five and Saturday morning like, cartoons. It, it was, like you've got X-Men for Marvel or you, you got, got X-Men. Batman, Superman, and that's it. Like there isn't like a thousand things to choose from. And, and, yeah. It, it, I like it because there was synergy like with people. I think that was, I think that was, that's a big thing of mine. So I like, I like community. Mm. I, I love community and I, it could be part of it could be because i felt like growing up haitian i didn't really uh i didn't really connect with my community as much and i i think i was longing for that so many times like whether it be amongst friends whether it be amongst like a, another group of people or like a church like the youth group yeah. i was always like i i was always longing for like a togetherness a sense of synergy mm-hmm. and so I think for me, the reason why I'm like, so like, man, everything's so convoluted now is because I like it when like a group of people are just like on this one accord. Like, that's why I'm not gonna lie. Like when the whole, you know, it was sad what happened with um, um, George, George, George Floyd. I'm so sorry. I'm forgetting. Yeah. George Floyd. It, it sucks that like that happened. But I, the, the takeaway was that there was a togetherness. And I'll never forget that. I was like, wow, this is, that's powerful. You know, whether it be looked at in a way of like, oh, but there was Antifa, there was this, there was that. It was just like, there were, but the earnest of like, the fact that there were some people in there that were doing good and they were doing it together. That's a very beautiful thing. And yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Like, I really, I really like when things are like, you know, yeah. I think, well, I mean, to, to that very point, I think we were we were talking before and looking at where we're at now being adults and thinking about like what what's the goal? Because it's like you, you kind of grow up and you're you're thinking like, okay, like as a little kid, you have this dream of doing film and like you do it like you're scratching an itch, so to speak. Like you've got this desire this experience where you just got wowed by the theater and it's like, Oh my God, I, I wonder if I can do that. And then you start like researching, you, you play here, you using the VCR to like stitch things together. And then it goes digital. You're like, Oh man, I've got more tools. And then you, you like start yeah. forming those communities and like you start building that up little by little. So it's like at the same time, you've got the negatives, yeah. you have the positive that come with it where it's like, you're slowly getting more access to things, but then it it kind of like it expands to kind of contract at the same time to where you're like, okay, like mm. what am, what am I doing this for? And like um, I bring that up to to mention the point that you you talked about earlier when it comes to success and what right what people yep. mean when they say success and what it what it really what that might look like. Because it's like when you're the little kid working on little projects, maybe you're like having fun, like you're looking at what other people have created and you're trying to recreate that experience in your own way. But then I think you asked a very important question. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, um, it's funny because I, um, I always want to strive to be like good, like amazing, like great at this. I think even at a point in time, I was I wanted to be a perfectionist. Um, but I think I began to realize, you know, um, that I I I loved I, I love filmmaking. 
Like, I, I think it's like a true love of mine because even during moments of like depression or hardship, I just never wanted to stop. I was just like, I, I still want to do this. Like, I love this so much. And it was beyond, it was so beyond the uh, the physical. It was so beyond like, the, the external realm of things like it was it was so like internally like I loved this thing I loved it because I felt like filmmaking did in in a in, a, in the most like organic way create connection between people and I know a lot of people look at films and they're just like oh you know films aren't like books though they're not like gaming experiences but I'm like truth be told like if you really take a, a a deeper look into it, it it is it is those things. Like if you really look at film and you look at how even now it's in a state in a position where it's uh, kind of like grown and developed. Like you look at shows like Atlanta. You look at shows now even that feel like movies themselves, and you look at games now, like how they've kind of like transitioned into like telltale stories and stuff like that. If you really think about it, um, all these worlds are kind of immersed into each other in one way or another. And it's like that experience, sharing stories, sharing like these, these deeper meanings inside the stories are, is what create these connections is what creates like the, 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 the story and the narrative of the human spirit. Right. So me, I love that so much. So much so to the point that it means more to me than anything else. Hmm. I think the only other thing would be taking care of my family, but it means so much to me to connect with people. Hmm. And I think that goes back to the whole community thing, right? So now let's take it back to your question. Hmm. Should I tell the story about the yeah, yeah. My mentor? Yeah. So I asked my mentor, um, We it was like, I was in this movie, man. We were shooting in New York. And this guy, his name is, I think his name is Roman. I think his name is Roman. I don't want to butcher his name. But he uh, he was like this dope guy. He worked on commercials for GMC. Uh, you name it, like heavy, heavy, like big name uh, organizations. And we are all like amazed by this guy. Like, we're just like, wow, like, yo. And we asked him like, yo, how do you know when you're successful? Like, how? How do you know? Like, when is the time that you know you're successful? And he said, you know, it's funny. We asked this same question. Uh, a director who shall shall not be named, but is extremely famous, well-known, well-renowned. We all sat around. The, he, he told me, along with the other people there, he's like, we sat around this director like if it was a campfire, like we were listening to old stories from this director. And he told us, um, the success thing, he, you know, they were asking like, oh, when do you know you're successful? All this stuff. When do you know? When do you know? When is that time? And he tells them, hey, look, truth be told, that is not an actual real thing. That's not a real thing. And they're like, yo, everyone's just baffled. Like, what, is, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean it's not real? It's real. Like, we see it every day. You know, do we, success is a thing. Like, you reach it. Everything. Goals, achievements. And he goes, truth be told, um, the only thing I've seen was that I just got more work. That's what the director said, the, the very well-known director. He's like, I just got more work. And he goes, you're just going to work more and more and more and more and more than you usually were working. 
and you're going to be working for people less than you will be working for yourself. So you have to find time for yourself. Right. And he goes, um, the, uh, he goes, the number one thing that you need to realize is that none you're like, your situation isn't going to get better from this. Like he was talking about, I guess he was talking about like his success, everything. He was essentially saying your world is not going to get better or more like fascinating or, you know, just just like easier because you feel like you've gotten successful. He's like, you need to love this now. You need to love what you're doing now and not wait to cross this like imaginary threshold of success because that's not real. Like what you love now will determine what you love in the future, period. And it was like so baffling to everybody because they were just like, damn, like, you know, everyone is just waiting because everyone feels like it's like to, to, to what you said before. You're like, in order to gain like this sense of like accept self-acceptance and all this is like need to gain these external things because that's what we've been taught. Right. We've been programmed to believe, oh, no, if you get this, this and this and have all these items, you are something. But the truth is, it's all internal. If it doesn't begin, if you're reworking and the acceptance doesn't begin internally, it doesn't mean anything. And in fact, he said, once you get to the point of getting more work, you're only going to multiply what you have been um, voiding. What like pretty much the void that you're trying to fill is not going to be fulfilled by that. You need to do that now. You need to do that work now. Yeah. inside of yourself yeah and um you know sorry for explaining it too no, long no you're, um, you're explaining it perfectly and i mean just just to tie into what you said there about the void multiplying and just i was telling you i, I signed up for this newsletter from jordan b peterson like a clinical psychologist i've been following for a few years and it was just seven principles on relationships and he Send it out as a response to saying whether it's it's a relationship with your spouse, sibling, parent, child, or friend or colleague. And I, I just thought, since we're talking about what success means and it being a personal thing, it's the the most important relationship you have to deal with is the relationship you have with yourself. Mm, and yep. I was thinking the very first point that he listed is that conflict delayed is conflict multiplied. Mm-hmm. And that that's yeah. something that I identified with because I start when I start to think about the things I put off doing, it's like if I don't cut the grass for a week, it it's not just gonna stay at the same level it was this <laughs> week, like two weeks, three weeks go by. It's it's up there. It's like I yeah. I can address it, but it might take a little bit longer to cut the grass because the mower can't go over it, or even exactly. if I raise the mower up. I'll cut it. Then I've got to cut it again. Or it's like, I can just kind of keep doing, um, doing the roller coaster thing. I can procrastinate or just be like, well, I don't really want to find out what I'm passionate about. I don't really want to acknowledge that. Okay. I'm fantasizing and I'm glorifying what someone else is doing. And I can't appreciate the person in the mirror because I'm like, they're more valuable than me. And it's like that that conflict or even like when it comes to having that community thinking uh like this thing's bothering me but like 
I really don't want to address right now. I'll worry about it later. So then it's, I go to school, I get married, I get a good job. I make six figures, seven figures, eight figures, nine figures. And it's like, I'm on my deathbed getting ready to die. And it's like, oh, I wish I would have. I wish I would have. And it's like, there was nothing wrong with per se going to school or pursuing this or pursuing that. But it's like the moment that a conflict came up against what it was that you wanted to do, you would have been better off addressing it and saying, okay, like, why is this bothering me? Like, yeah, what is there? Like, if I acknowledge that it's bothering me and I don't care to do anything about it, or it's like, I'm not as bothered by it as I think, but at least I'm going to acknowledge it. Like, maybe that would just say, hey, like, I love to, I'm not coming up with a good example. I'm going to pass that. Like, I I love to just go out and eat ice cream or just have a, a tub of ice cream Friday nights. Like, I love doing that every day. It's like, yeah. Great. Now I've put on 30 pounds and yeah. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to keep trying to fit in these tight clothes right, thinking right. like, <laughs> it's like, no, your waistline isn't, isn't, isn't fitting that. And I'm, I'm making it personal for myself because that's, that's what I did <laughs> over like the last three months is like over the weekend, just kind of eat ice cream, veg out. And I'm like, you know, I'm enjoying where I'm at. Like I'm comfortable. I appreciate the work I'm able to do. But after a while, I kind of looked in the mirror. I looked at myself. I was like, yeah, kind of letting myself go. So I was like, okay, <laughs> let me let me just start small. And then I'll, I'll, I won't even get out of bed. I'll just start doing leg raises just leg raises right. like that. <laughs> I was like, I'm doing something. Yeah. And then the next thing I'm like, okay, in the afternoon, I'll do two push-ups. And yeah. I was like, I'll, I'll do, I'll do something more. And I just, I just decided that that was something I could do for my own personal confidence, and just to be yeah. like, okay, physical activity is something I can do, and I know that after I do it, I feel better about myself. And knowing that I avoid doing it, <laughs> it only kind of multiplies <laughs> the problem where it's like pants don't fit, like yeah. clothes don't fit. It's like now you got to go do extracurricular activities. And I'm like, okay, I've got to get rid of these things that don't work and actually admit that I'm not a size 30 something. I'm almost pushing to a size 40 something. It's like, okay, like, let's be, let's be realistic. And let's let's stop stop lying and being like, oh man, it's yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll just, I'll stop right there. (laughs) No, but, um, yeah, man, I feel you, man. I, I think I think um, discipline in that in those areas have to start with like acknowledgement, self acknowledgement, and just being self aware. I mean, we go to um, I can even like reference like maybe like LeBron when he first went to Miami, mm. and everyone was like kind of like rooting against him. I just remember him in an interview after he had won the title for Miami for the first time. They were asking him, like, what changed? Like, what was the change in this and and you winning now and then, like, not those years before? And he said, I think it's because of the pressure of, you know, wanting to win. Like, there was this anxiousness of, like, I need to win, I need to win, I need to win, right? And he said the difference between now and those times was that I just started having fun again. I started loving the game again. And before, I, I, I feel like I lost that. And I think when it comes to us, you know, and what we do, 
we we uh we can lose ourselves in any of our practices very easily because we're searching for something that is always going to be internal. We're searching for it outwardly because we want the achievements, we want the goals. Because we there's a certain allure when you win something, when you achieve something. Like there's this outside like feeling of gratification, and it's like when you get that, you feel you can even see it in people. Like people walk up to you and they're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like yeah. You know, um, and <laughs> it's like now I realize like those things are no longer like fulfilling because I used to feel like, oh, my gosh, like this, this glory is like amazing. Yeah. And then you realize like, oh, you have to start that over. Mm. You, it doesn't stay with you. Yeah. And so you're you're chasing something that's ongoing, like there's no finish line. Yeah. And then the only finish line you do have is death. Like, yeah. And so you'll be chasing and chasing and chasing this stuff. It doesn't fulfill you. But the only thing that can fulfill you is your your happiness. Like what makes you like you're the only one who knows for real. But yeah. the, this thing has told you, no, this is what it is because you've gotten this like spark of like, oh, like this is this is amazing. Like I'm getting all this attention and this love. And so now it feels like it's filling that void, but really that void has like a hole in it. It's like this cup that has a hole in it. Mm. And it's just like, and so it can only stay there, but for so long. Right. And just disappears. But I, I, I guess it's a good analogy because I could say like, when you love yourself or when you find that love for yourself, you patch that hole. Mm. Like you give it like a, a base. Yeah. a foundation. And now it's like, you can fill your own cup. And then when people are filling your cup, it's just over spilling at this point. And right. like, which pretty much means like, you really don't need that. Right. And you don't you already have your drink. Right. You have, it's good. So when you're getting all this, it doesn't, Yeah, it, it's not like you're searching for that. It's just right. like, you're not jaded by it, nothing. You're not thirsting. <laughs> you're not running. You're not thirsting. Here, like. <laughs> you're like, my cup is full, man. Yeah. You know, the waitress is like filling your cup. Like, you need more water? It's like, oh, look at my I'm cup. Good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Man. Yeah, man. That's a great point. And I'll I'll give you the rest of these principles, or maybe I'll just call them out a couple more at a time. So one was the conflict delayed is conflict multiplied. And right. a big point on that, it, it's that something that I'm I'm realizing because one thing he said is that people wonder why he engages in conflict and he says he hates conflict. It's very stressful. And that's how yeah. I feel about conflict. So that's like, it's like, well, if you hate it, you're trying to be happy. Just, just don't worry about it. <laughs> just yeah. be happy. But it's like, whenever you avoid that thing, because you just don't feel good about it, the problem that you imagine or the problem that you can clearly see, it only grows like the grass. And it's like, before you get like this giant forest that you're trying to think like, how did this get to this level? Like, for instance, if like, if you've seen a broken down house or like a leaky roof or something like that, like I'm for my job now, I'm driving across the state of Georgia doing um, soil borings where essentially you drill down in the ground and you collect soil samples where they inspect what the ground is like and if it's suitable to be built on 
So in a lot of remote places, you'll see old abandoned houses that are like overgrown and things like that. And it's hard to think of how a house gets like that. Of course, you could have a whole bunch of other reasons, but the same thing with if you're driving through a downtown area, one area is nice and built up. Other times you see like the old abandoned buildings and it's all it takes. It didn't just happen overnight, but it's something that like the roof isn't kept up. The painting isn't done. The outside of the facade isn't washed. The inside isn't maintained. The plumbing isn't like all those little, little things like nobody wants to do it. Like nobody wants to like deal with all that stuff. But it's like, if you don't address those little conflicts that you don't enjoy, particularly when it comes to yourself and the things that you're going to pursue, then you find yourself in having like an existential crisis trying to figure out who you are, like, or what do they say? Like the midlife crisis, you, you find that you put your time and attention into so many things that you look up and you're like, who's that person looking back at me in the mirror? Like, am I really this, this thing I've kind of made myself out to be? Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Give me um, a quick little moment here. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, man. I mean, that, that, that that takes me to uh the the point of uh of me where um i i the job right yeah, yeah. So i love this job love it absolutely wonderful i feel fulfilled it's like one of those jobs where like the pay isn't great but you know uh you get currency in different ways where you wake up in the morning and you're like actually happy to go to work you know um it doesn't feel like you're drained you don't feel like oh my gosh like I just want to get this money and leave like and but the caveat, um, I did go to work one day and I almost felt that. And this goes to the point that you were just making. I uh, I love this job because it's film related. You know, I love film. I love all that type of stuff. And so while I'm at this job, feeling good, feeling great. And there's one particular guy who works there. He's like one of the heads, like he's one of the main dudes. And. You know, I want to forge relationship and connection with everybody. And at the job, everything is seemingly going great. Like everyone is starting to get acclimated with me. Everyone started to like me, all that good stuff. And, you know, me, I'm a community guy. So this is like very fulfilling. Like, oh, my gosh, like I'm in heaven almost. Right. So meet this guy and you can tell right away, like he's just like not, you know, he's like, no, you know, there's not there's no tension, but. You could tell, like, there's this sort of like, uh, like, this, this, like I'm like trying to get his like his acceptance. Mm. Yeah, right. And he's um, he's just not. He's just like, yep. It's like his responses are very like quick, uh, like uninterested. Like, I'm like <laughs> hey, so what do you what do you feel about? Da, 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 da. It's good. And he'll turn away. I'm like, yeah. Like I'm like, so I'll try again. Uh, yeah, man, I'll look at like his the stuff on his wall. I'm like, yo, that's a really good film. He's like, yep, one of the best ones. And he'll just like completely. I'm like, yeah. And but the reason why this is like a thing is because I'll see his like behavior with everyone else, mm-hmm. and it's just so like jovial that he's just like mm-hmm. laughing and as long as like conversational everything. And I'm like, oh man, this dude. Does not like me. So it's like he's pranking you. <laughs> yeah, right. 
I feel like, yo, what's what's going on? But um, to that, you know, to that, I I, I just remember um, I sat. It was in the editing room. I sat in the editing room, and I was just like, damn. And I was in my head, and it was me. I felt like it was a conflict because mm-hmm. I was like on cloud nine at this job, right? I was like, oh, everything is great, like. I was, I'm just naturally a happy person. Like I just like smiling and laughing. So while I was there, I just began feeling myself get down. And I was like, maybe, and in my mind, I was like, maybe, you know, I don't know what's going on. Like this guy doesn't like me. Did I do something wrong? Should I even smile anymore? Should I maybe like give him that same energy he's giving me? Like, what should I do? Now I'm getting into myself. I'm like, maybe it's like that with everybody. Maybe that's how everyone feels about me. That's how they're. So I'm just going through like a series of layers of just like, boom, boom. Like it's going low. I'm like lowering, lowering myself. And almost to the degree where I'm just like, maybe I shouldn't even work here. Right. And maybe I shouldn't be happy here. Maybe I should be like that. I should be very stiff quick give nothing to match and as i was going through this moment which is like an internal conflict mm-hmm. right away a part of me just popped out it's like this awareness it was like if you do that you aren't being yourself anymore you're not being happy anymore and what happens when we aren't ourselves anymore and like it's like i'm talking to myself <laughs> yeah <laughs> you having that internal dialogue yeah, like internal dialogue is like, what happens when, when we don't do that anymore? What happens? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we get frustrated. We probably take it out on other people. We let it affect our other thing, like our art, things that we do. We start to feel like this is how, I guess, this is how we have to behave when we come across anyone like that mm-hmm. or anybody in general. Maybe this is the way we're supposed to be. Maybe this is what filmmakers are supposed to be like, everything. And it's like, is that who you are? Is that what you wanted to bring? What was the point of us doing this in the first place, right? Community, connection. How did you get to where you are? By being yourself. Not like that. Yeah. Even how I got this job, I was me to the fullest. And so once I had that internal dialogue with myself and I was like, I can't allow this person to strip away my happiness because if they strip away my happiness, they're stripping away me, period. Like I'm no longer me. I am a shell of who I am because I'm genuinely always happy. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, that is a thing that this person has to work on themselves. I can't do that. I have to stay happy because Mm -hmm. I don't want to be on my deathbed or hospitalized thinking, I could have just been happy that day. Now I have to make up for that in this hospitalized bed, right? So it's like, no, we have the opportunity to do these things. And when that conflict came up, I realized at that moment, it took just that. It took that moment for me to really talk with myself. That's another thing. I feel like people are very, like like it's a stigma Mm -hmm. in our society. Like, oh, you're talking to yourself? Talk to yourself. Talk to yourself. That's yeah. who you got. That's right. who you have yourself. The fact that it became a stigma is I feel like the reason why people are going through so much self-doubt, discouragement, you know, mental health problems. is because they're yeah. not really having this conversation with themselves that's healthy. Yeah. 
it's not always yourself. pleasant, but it's it's healthy in the long run. It's and you know what? I say it like this: When has medicine ever tasted good? <laughs> so it's like, like good medicine for you, like right. actual good medicine. When has it never stung? When has it never you know gotten you to a position where it was unpleasant? Hmm. It was like every time you have to garner growth. It is never comfortable. Yeah. It always has to be uncomfortable and it always has to be a moment of revelation. And that revelation comes with resistance. It comes with going against the grain. And you have to be able to understand that like immediately, like this is not going to feel nice. Yeah. But that's OK. You have to go through that. It's like it's like when a bad situation has happened. Like, let's say you did, you made a mistake and you know you have to apologize to make things better. And it's like, the longer you wait to apologize, the worse it, like, you're almost, it's going to be harder for you to then apologize. Because now you're trying to think about how should I approach the apology. And now when you're walking up, you're like, "Ah, maybe I shouldn't say it like this. And it's just like that. Now the conflict is multiplied. But once you delete the fear, the only way to delete the fear immediately is just to do it. It's it's just like when, this is another example. It's just like when me and my friends, we used to do this, what they used to do this. We used to go to the mall. They would want to talk to girls all the time. And whenever they would do it, they would always like make a game plan. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's so, that's not good. Like, if you want to talk to her, just go talk to her. Don't make a game plan. Just go up there. Yeah. And once you go up there, you delete the fear because yeah. you're already there. Now you're here. That person's going to look at you like, hey, and you're like, hey, you started. The conversation yeah. has begun. You're good now. You don't have to think about anything. You just think yeah. about the words that are going to come out of your mouth, I guess. But if if you if let's say if you land on your face flat, mm-hmm. you did it. Now you can go home. If it yeah. was if even if it was like embarrassing, whatever, it's like at least I did something. Mm. I deleted the fear. The longer you wait, you regret and you're like, okay, there's too much happening. Now I'm just delaying this. But once you get it over with, you get your answer right away. Yeah. And you can move on from there. And so that's the, that, that I would say is another thing. And that's a big thing. And that's why when I had had that internal dialogue with myself, I was able to move on from that situation much quicker and be like, oh yeah. At the end of all this, I have to be happy. So what what'd you do as, as a follow-up? Did you like talk to the guy or did you just go on about being yourself? And- I just went. I just I was just happy. Yeah. I was just like, hey, what's up, man? Every time I saw him and he just he wouldn't. I think he started seeing how everyone else was around me. Hmm. So that I think I think that's something that he was dealing with internally. Like maybe I don't want to say it was an insecurity of him. Yeah. But I was just so genuinely happy that I started seeing the results of other people like, yeah, we like this guy. He's so because it was very different from what the people were like there. Right. You know, everyone kind of had this sort of like somber, mm-hmm. like sort of energy. And I was just like this. Hey, yeah, the, what's up? Yeah. You're you know, the new hey, fish bro. in the new pond coming in. And it's like. I'm the big dog in this yard. What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. And there's a lot of people there who are obviously like, uh, you know, wait, wait till he's here like a year. He's not going to like it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, me, I I just keep this attitude of I I think there. I think what had happened with them was 
they allowed the, the environment, environment to affect yeah. them. Right. I immediately said, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. You Even, maintained I, your own. I, I was at that point. Yeah. He had did it. And I said, maybe I should do this. But then I told myself, no, mm. that's not who I'm going to be. Right. I'm going to love this place. Like I would love my own stuff, whatever. Yeah. Like I, you know, I, I grew up with my family and, you know, things weren't always great. They weren't always, always perfect, but I love my family. Right. Yeah. So it's like, if I'm coming to this place and I just fall in line, I'm not being me. Yeah. I'm being like them. I am fitting and conforming into this thing. And it's like, that's never been my thing. I've always been different. I've always been like that odd puzzle piece where everybody's like, where is this supposed to go? <laughs> right. So it's like, but that is what makes people like be drawn to me and yeah. how I forge these beautiful connections. And I'm like, if I take that away, yeah. I'm taking away the whole reason why I was why I'm doing this in the first place. It was always to connect with people and people connect with people that they really feel like I I personally feel people connect with people that they feel like, damn, like this is who I I, I want to be like. Yeah. But I, maybe I don't have the courage, hmm. you know, or they look up to or they, there's something about it that's so fascinating to them. Like, wow, there's an access of something you have. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be this guy, you know, yeah. all the time because this is who I am. I love being this guy. So if I take this away because of how you are towards me or because of how this person is towards me, I'm only letting them, I'm, I'm giving them so much power over my life and over everything I, I do that I have to ask myself, do I really love myself enough to not let that happen? Or do I love myself enough that it trumps whatever they can whatever spirit or energy that they could bring into my life. I wanted to bring this up too. Yeah, One yeah. last thing. I yeah, swear, yeah. I promise no, I won't say good. anything else. You're good. Somebody had mentioned something that was so good, and I don't even want to get biblical. I'm not going to get biblical. But this was such a great thing. He was like, you're probably, you're probably wondering, like, you know, I like all my life, I feel like every job, every location I've ever moved to or every period point in my life, there's always been someone who like disliked me first for no reason or for a reason. But it was there was always someone. There was always something like somebody just didn't like me, my personality, my whatever the case may be. But there was always a, there was always something. And he goes. The truth is when you're doing something right or doing something good or doing something for yourself, there will always be an energy or a spirit that will attack that always. And it will go through people. And you'll probably ask the person, why don't you like me? You'll probably get two answers. I don't know. Or no, I'm cool with you. Right. But you still feel like this. OK, there's something there. And he goes, the guy who said this, he was like, because the truth is, they don't even know that they have this like spirit, this energy over them that's being used. Like they're being used as like this host yeah. for this energy and this spirit, yeah. right? And it's always gonna come at you because it wants you to fall. It wants you to falter. It doesn't want you to live out your potential. Yeah. It wants you to. Yeah. And then when you're at that point, notice that it doesn't bother you anymore because it knows like I got that person. Yeah. Now they can't fulfill what they're supposed to do. 
Yeah. It, it keeps you stuck in a positive feedback loop where you're just like, I'm down. Okay. Because I'm down, I can't do anything. So I'm just going to stay on this plane. It's like, okay, now because I'm in this plane, uh, I can't do anything else to get out of here. And then you just keep like, it's already done the damage to you to it's where you done just, the damage, a, a death by a thousand cuts, yeah. just slowly slipping, slitting you away. And then at that point, it, it could just do autopilot and just walk off. Yeah. And that's literally where someone has to be like, no, I need to be happy yeah. anyway. Let me approach this conflict right away. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that, I love that story because I, I know I know what you mean when you say I don't want to get spiritual, but I, I think sometimes it's it's necessary not to not to go off on a tangent, but just to h- highlight things where it's that no matter if you believe in something or value something, it, it still has a place where it where it fits. And it's yeah. there are things that aren't that can't easily be explained. And I think instead yep. of being dismissive of them, it's good to acknowledge them because the same person that may be worshiping the devil will be quick to tell you it's like ah like there aren't any spirits or any of that and it's like turn right (laughs) around and just be like i'm worshiping this 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 this, and the other but then when you're if you're giving credence to anything that's light or anything that would oppose that it's like oh no i'm gonna burn that down tear that down just break it all and it's like yeah what's really going on here yeah that's so true, man. I and I think I try to find like a nice little middle ground mm-hmm. so people can like see practicality. Right. Because I feel like people are always like, oh, uh, because there's like this stigma like that's like kind of attached to um whether it be religion or faith-based mm-hmm. people, that like there's always gonna be like this one like when it comes to arguments or yeah. like debates, like there's no like, oh, but where's but what about the sound evidence? Like the factual, like right. it's always trumped by like what well, I believe in. Boom. But I'm right. like, there's always like very very like clear indications of right. of things that are like that. You know what I'm saying? Like that can be proven factually. Like like we go back to um, the whole thing about believing in science, science and believing in um, spirituality and faith. Mm-hmm. everything is a form of belief at the end of the day. Like you could prove a scientific theory, right? Yeah. But how many scientific theories are you going to prove in your lifetime? Right. And then like the miracles that happen to everything. It's like a lot of people are like, well, everything in this world can be explained. Everything in this world can be explained. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Well, everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> And I'm like, I mean, there's certain aspects of, of life, man, that just can't like even like um, the the patterns of events, yeah. like there's certain ones that you can kind of like, you know, I guess guesstimate. But then there's other ones that you're just like, I did not expect that at all. And so yeah. at the end of the at the end of the day, I think everything just has to be taken with a grain of salt. There's certain things that can't be explained. There's certain things that can be explained. We still don't have. There's there's still things that don't have cures, like still diseases that don't have cures. So if everything can be explained, then we definitely should be able to have like disease, all diseases like cured at this point. Right. Yeah. So it's like there's always going to be parts of 
that practicality mm-hmm. and and that spirituality that that's going to have like this sort of gray area that you know people are like oh well what's going on here but yeah. i feel with me i always try to find like that middle ground where i'm like hey i'm 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 a believer right mm-hmm. that's just who i am but i'm still able to explain things pragmatically right. and even in this film that i'm doing now i'm doing a film called boy with angel wings a lot of people would probably be like expecting a, a movie that's going to be very like science fiction and like fantasy but it's not mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a drama it's a family drama yeah that that's practical everything is practical yeah a miracle happens like it's a very beautiful film but the whole film is practical mm-hmm. everything about it so it kind of like creates this like bridge between yeah. people who may, may be like oh okay and then like people who are like wow i believe yeah it creates this bridge of like oh wow yeah yeah. All these events are put together and it creates like this magical moment mm. that kind of like brings goes from death to life. Right. So I, I can't wait to I, I uh, I'm, I'm going to be filming that this week coming up. So I definitely can't wait uh, to, to to share that with the world. It's, that, it, it should be it should be good. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I think, like you mentioned, just with film, with art, with the way that people that are creative, they're able to take ideas that might seem abstract or that may be abstract because it's like you think about people going into space or people going to like planets or maybe people even making horror films or things that like you would normally see just walking outside your window, but like, or walking outside your door. But um, when you see someone create an experience in a film, it's like you, you're able to sustain, you suspend your disbelief yeah. practically where it's like, you're not questioning, like, where is the evidence for this? Unless yeah. maybe there's some sure. bad writing and you're like, there's no way like <laughs> this guy would have done that. And it's like, Oh, like, come, come on guys. Come on. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I, 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 uh, I think that's why I'm so, uh, fascinated by film, I feel like it draws like these these different realities. But I think I think an, another thing with that is you know my girl and I we talk about this all we we talk about this and we're we we say like everyone kind of like deals with life differently, mm-hmm. almost to the point where like the way that they perceive life is is like their own reality. Yeah. And I feel like that's like in a lot of like Nolan films, like he makes people perceive life in their own reality. And then like they question like, well, what is reality reality? What right. like what is it? And truth be told, I don't think there is like a thing where it's like, OK, this is exactly what it is. Right. I feel like everything is based on a certain perception of something and based on this perception and based on this reality you can formulate connections between each other. Right. Because if everything was the same, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have all these beautiful, like, interpretations of life. Right. And I feel like the the idea that everyone has, like, these differences of viewpoints, it allows us to create, like, this bigger world that we have. Because yeah. I imagine if everyone just had, like, this single singular thought it would just be like a like a dot yeah versus like the fact that all of us grow differently 
we all have different forms of, of features and everything like that. And when we all come together, it's almost like a mosaic mm-hmm. image. Like we can all come together and make something even more beautiful. Right. And I think that's the beauty of uh, me personally. And I don't want to get, again, I don't want to get religious, but I feel like that's the beauty of our, our creator that it's like, I've given every, I've, I've made these, I've made art yeah. into artists who then cre- create art. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, you know what I'm saying? Like this never ending, you know, infinite eight. Like, it's just like everything just circles back around and creates and creates and creates and creates and creates. And it's just beautiful. But if we didn't have that, the differences, if we didn't have the different perceptions, if we didn't have different takes on everything, everything would be so black and white and we yeah. wouldn't see things. And and now what I I would say is healthier ways, like now that people are more access to mental health and all this stuff, it's almost like, when you look at the world now, things are a little bit more open to um, beauty. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're good. My, think, my, my, the fact you. <laughs> got you. I yeah. think the, um, I'll, I'll highlight the rest of these and, and we can touch on them if you want. But I think something that resounds, like whenever you talk about um, being practical and things that are like pragmatic, things that are concrete uh, applies with like the word principles. So it's like we mentioned the Mm. first principle being conflict delayed is conflict multiplied. Like when it comes to relationships and then the two, number two, he said, don't worship people. Mm, And then um, number three was it's hard to fix someone. It's even harder to fix someone who doesn't want to be fixed. Yeah. And I guess I'll, yeah. I'll I'll rattle through the rest of them, but I I guess I, I think each one of them deserves attention. But the reason I, I want to mention them each is just because it's like these are things if you pay attention to them and if you're honest about how your how your relationship is being treated when it comes to this, I think it's it's an honest um look at what you should be paying attention to. Like kind of like yeah. if you're if you're wearing glasses like I do, without them, everything seems kind of fuzzy. And yeah. I heard the same person make a point about being blind in the world. Like you, you can only pay attention to so many things. And even looking at all seven of these, it's like maybe I can only address one at a time, but right. they can also have an overlap. And that overlay kind of just makes it, oh, okay, like number four is have urgency. And then five is give precise, meaningful praise. And that that's a big one. And then six is pay attention to your conscience, kind of going back to that yeah. internal dialogue. And seven is remove resentment. Yeah. Yep. I um I like the thing that says don't praise, don't um worship people. Don't, don't worship, worship people. people. Yeah. Don't worship people and don't uh it's hard to fix someone it's even harder to fix someone who doesn't want to be fixed i think when it comes to not worshiping people it's almost like it's almost like you don't want to create this you don't want to create a pedestal you don't yeah because it it it, um it doesn't allow mistakes to happen Mm. and a human is a human cannot avoid a mistake they cannot avoid mistakes yeah just can't just can't it's not because it's like, oh my gosh, well, why can't we? 
is because we need mistakes. Yeah. How do we grow? How do we learn? How do we how do we then understand each other without having that Mm. conflict resolution, I think, is what creates growth in people. I think when it can when it comes to even sub like internal dialogue, it has to come with mistakes. Yeah. And the only way I feel like you can become someone well-rounded and Mm -hmm. well-versed in just the idea of like anything. Yeah. When you start to understand yourself to where you're like, oh, yeah, I need to be happy. It has to come with a series of like failures. Mm -hmm. And someone said it best, like they're like failures are the pathway to success. And essentially, I've heard about that. Essentially, I feel like they were saying when you um, fail, you can only get better. You can only get better. And by failing, by failing and becoming better, you have to you can't be uh, you can't have this uh, like idea of perfection. Just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because perfection, perfection means like you can't get better. It's like you're already the best. Yeah. There's no room for growth. So it's like if I I can become better, yeah, it's great. It's like I don't have to. You you never want to live up to uh like this perfect image of something, because it's like you built a house of cards, mm. and like someone can tap the bottom and it just all falls apart. Uh, I think maybe to give a different perspective on that is that um, especially if we're talking about an internal relationship, it's like. You don't want to worship people or you don't want to, I think you can picture an ideal self for your yourself. You're like, this is what I would like to be. And maybe I work my way towards that. But as you're yeah. working to become that person, you're going to run into failures or conflicts along the way. But yeah. you're best to address those things when they come up, because it's like the moment you ignored them, like you said, you start to build that house of cards, so to speak, because it's yeah. like you're saying, oh, OK, when I get the doctor, engineer, lawyer, like to to reference like the foreign yeah. background, like the, yeah. the ideal <laughs> things that are looked at. But it's like if 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 you talk to a doctor, a lawyer, like probably I might be biased towards the engineer, but it's like, I think there's one engineering show that I saw is called prison break, but it's like the, the Mm. professions that are the, um, that are held up in high regard. There's so many doctor shows. There's so many law shows like law and order SBU special victims. And it's like, they tell great stories and that that's a phenomenal thing. But it's like if you get engrossed in it, that can give you an idea to say, okay, I want to become that. And that's great. But then once you start going through the schooling, it's like, okay, it's going to take you eight to 12 years to become a doctor. Like, is that something you're willing to do? You're going to have to go to law school. You're going to have to pass this test. Like, are you really genuine about wanting to help people? to save people, to give people Uh, a chance because it's like, are you more consumed with the glamour of what it means to be a lawyer and engineer? Or it's like, would you be just as happy being a plumber or a carpenter? You're building houses, you're building homes. You're like that doctor more than likely he's not doing his own plumbing. So it's like, 
you might yeah. not get the same praise, but somebody's going to be calling when it's, oh, hey, my sync doesn't work. It's like, you can be a handyman. Like you, you can have so many different aspects in life. And like some people would say like the C-suite or like the positions of power, so to speak, where it's like, okay, the politician gets like glorified. Like, oh man, this guy's great. Like he said something, he said a rousing speech. And like to tie this in, I remember, um, what was it? I think the first time I was able to vote was in 2008 when Obama became president. And I was I was excited. And I think it was the year after I graduated from college, um, maybe like 2014 or something, he went to the University of Tech and he gave a, a great speech about education. But as I was listening, not again, like we were saying earlier, not to get religious, not to get political, but then I had a, a different perspective where I was like, okay, you have the most powerful man in the world or in America coming to your former school to give a speech. And as I'd listen back to the speech, I'm like, you didn't say anything. Right. <laughs> like you said, these are the things we need to do. You didn't lay out anything about what it was that you were actually going to do. And I, right. I just use him as an example, not to say like this president was better and that president wasn't. Right, it's right, like, right. it's that it kind of became human for me when I realized, oh, like to this point, I put him up on a pedestal and I was like, he's going to solve all the problems. But it's right. like there were 43 before him that <laughs> didn't solve the problem. And it's like some issues can be addressed, but like it's not right to put it all on one person. Yeah. Like there's a story of Christ and it's like whenever you have the hero figure that comes through like on the, on the horse in shining armor, everyone's like, this is our champion. And like everybody wants that champion and it's not a yeah. bad thing to want. But it's like when these this principle kind of comes in in a relationship that you have with someone that you've never met. It's like it's a scary thing when you're willing to put someone yeah. so far ahead that you've never met, but you wouldn't even yeah. give yourself the same credence and you spend well, yes. the most time with yourself. Like that's yeah. what's terrifying. And it's yeah. it's not it's not something that's comfortable to deal with because it's like, it's maybe more comforting to idealize somebody else because it's like, I don't have it figured out, but they're presenting right. as they're having it all. 